Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. And we have a fan favorite in the house. How's it going, Rob? Pretty good, Sydney. That's right. Not just a fan favorite, but the hashtag fan favorite Rob Love coming at you on another fresh, hot, fresh episode of um, Sex, Drugs, yeah. and Spirituality. We're going to have merch, uh, Rob Love merch soon, and uh, it's inspired by all the panties you got wet on Monday, uh, because now people are hearing your true voice. Yeah, um, I apologize for the lack of forewarning about um, all the, the, you know, the panty wedding hazards (laughs) last week, Uh, but now you've been warned, and uh, we've got you covered with some, hopefully... Soon, coming hot off the presses, are going to be some delightful panties. Hashtag fan favorite. That's right. You guessed it. Right on your bikini, <laughs> your bottoms. <laughs> I can't handle it. I lost. I lost. I lost momentum. Um, but you but tried. Anyway. Um, yeah. So it's soup vember. Um, everyone in the fam has been celebrating. By everyone, I think there's maybe four of us. Um, but we're still having a good time with Soupvember and hashtag Soupvember. And so we're going to do an episode about soup. That's right, Sydney. I've been excited to do this episode for a long time. As you know, it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And uh, I'm excited to uh, share my love of soup with the listeners. I can't wait. And I did drink, it wasn't soup, but I drank a mug of hot broth before we started recording, which is basically soup. Um, that so. counts. That counts. Oh, We'll good. get into it. That counts. That's soup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I found I found these things at the lo- local nature's grocers and they're packs of um, basically like powdered broth. And they uh, they have different formulas of herbs for different things like one's energy one's tummy soothing and they're single serving packets that you just mix with hot water and drink and um they're pretty good they don't have um like added salt or sugar so uh the taste is quote-unquote bland uh to the normal palate but I, i enjoyed it you know it's it's a cool 80 degrees in phoenix so i needed a hot beverage and the the broth worked out yeah for sure and that that totally counts. That is a valid form of soup. Um, dehydrated. We'll get into it, but dehydrated soups have been around since like the mid 1800s or something like that. Yeah, they called them traveler's soups, and it's basically like what you described. It would just like dehydrate. They would make like a a real thick soup or broth, uh-huh. and then dry it, and then they could just carry it around in a pouch in their pocket and just add hot water to it whenever they wanted. So it's basically like what you just described. Uh, that's amazing. It makes me feel so old timey and cool. Like I can ride the rails with my <laughs> yeah. new broth packets. So soup. Yes. Tell soup. me about it. So, soup is has been a staple of human cooking like for as far back as as you can remember, as you can as you can find historically. It's dated back as far as. 20,000 BC. All right. So our, you know, prehistoric caveman ancestors were making soup um, before the advent of pottery and like watertight 
um, cooking pots and stuff like that. Like eventually pottery and clay pots were invented. But even before that, um, people were making soups in animal hides and in watertight baskets made out of like bark and reeds. Wow. And what they would do, they would put, you know, maybe some vegetables that they foraged and some meat in this basket or this animal hide and they would add some water and they would add hot rocks from the fire to heat up the water Um, because of course they you know it wasn't the the pot itself wasn't fireproof so they couldn't just boil the stuff in the thing Um, so they had to add hot rocks and I imagine as the rocks cooled they would pull them out and add new hot rocks to keep it hot or whatever but so soup's been around like forever um in fact the word soup let's see the word soup comes from like um linguistically it comes from like old germanic um the current german word for soup is supa okay and uh that kind of like derived into the latin which is zupa for soup Um, which basically means bread soaked in broth. Um, And then the French uh, word soup basically means broth, but it also, they have the word sop, which you've probably heard, like even a verb, to sop. Yeah. But that's the piece of bread. That's the piece of bread that you would pour the broth onto. Oh, Um, okay, okay. And then so all of that, all of that turned into the English word for soup, essentially. So, um, in fact, let's see, the word restaurant, you've eaten at a restaurant before, right, Sydney? Oh, I've, I've worked at a lot of them. <laughs> Do they all serve soup? Um, strangely, no, uh-uh. Because the original, um, the word restaurant comes from this, back in the 16th century, um, this inexpensive concentrated soup called restaurant French for like restorative uh-huh. um, was was sold by street vendors like in in Paris or whatever and then by the year 19 or 1765 um, someone opened a shop selling such soups and the word restaurant was kind of permanently ascribed to that type of dining establishment so So we can think yeah okay so so they're making um the soup it's like a dehydrated broth and they're rehydrating it and selling it and no i think it was just a cons i think it was rather than like a thin broth it was like a thick kind of concentrated like elixir almost and it was supposed to be a rejuvenative Okay, um, I'm an idiot. Like almost a tonic. No, yeah, that's okay. So restaurant was like restorative, rest- restaurant. Okay, I thought like they re- rejuvenator. I thought they were using a soup powder and then activating it was the restorative part because I'm an idiot and I wasn't listening. So that's that is wrong. So it's restorative because it's a health tonic and it's going to restore you. Yeah, sold to like weary travelers or just whatever if you needed a boost you'd go to the street vendor and pick up a little you know cup of this like strong 
concentrated soup or whatever. Oh, okay. And so then someone's like, let's give people a place to sit down while they eat this soup. So they yeah. open a shop. Yeah, basically, that's that's the story I got. I mean, it didn't go into a whole lot of detail, but that's the picture that's in my head. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, and... um. So, and that was in France, and much like with many other um, things in life, like mountain climbing and stuff, um, the French, like, dialect kind of took over, like, all the words associated with a certain thing, like mountain climbing, are all, like, French terms. Oh, I didn't know know that. You know anything about mountain climbing. So it's the same with, with soups. Like, modern soups are all basically, like kind of derived from like classical french styles of preparation okay but i mean there but there's you know there's been soups all over the world for you know all eternity um but they kind of get the credit these days for almost having invented it which you know isn't quite true but whatever but they put Um, it on the map (laughs) they kind of put it on the map yeah there's oh there was two um two like ancient medieval soup cookbooks or like recipe books um that have been found um dating back to like the 1400s or earlier maybe even like 1100s wow Uh, one of them was one of them was in english and one of them was in french and so i think a lot of the terms and the french one was a lot more kind of a refined in their writing style and everything i i read a couple of the recipes from the english version mm-hmm. um or at least like a um, a translation of it because it was in like this old english where it doesn't make any sense but they're really brutish sort of like recipes for you know the instructions on how to cook the soup were like bring to great heat the water and add your well-chopped vegetables or something and it's like <laughs> not very descriptive i think it was re- it was written to an audience that basically made soup every day so they didn't really need it described to them <laughs> yeah like much. it's not giving you amounts and and specifics it's just like heat liquid put solids yeah, but that's basically like how soup has been um like over the history of mankind essentially like um you know, we talked about the like prehistoric style of making soup where it's just like a little bit of water or broth or whatever and then some vegetables and meat and then later on people started adding herbs um but it was basically just like whatever you had handy is what you would make your soup out of um well that's kind of how it still is you know like if oh for sure yeah for home soup cooks like you're just kind of like oh what am i gonna put in i got a big pot what do i got going on that's gonna go bad if i don't cook it up right right and that is the style of soup called like pottage um potage in french it's potage i guess but um, in English, it's pottage with two T's. And that's basically what you just described. It's like a one pot, just throw everything you got in there. And, and it eventually it kind of like cooks down into like a mush, basically. <laughs> you know, picture like a picture a like a well-cooked lentil soup or something where it's like or split pea soup would be a good example. Okay. Where it's like every everything just kind of turns into a slurry by yeah. the end of it almost, you know. 
But um, so that's how a lot of like poor people would eat just over their medieval hearth, you know, after the advent of like earthenware pots, people uh-huh. could ditch the anim- the animal hides and the reed baskets <laughs> and they could like, you know, either they would put their clay earthenware pot like in the hot ashes to the side of their hearth fire or if they had like a cast iron um like dutch oven style pot you could like hang it over the fire itself you know Um, but people there was this thing called like a hunter's pot or um or they call it like never-ending never-ending pot basically like you would keep this same soup pot going for months at a time and it would never you would never empty it all the way and you just add more you would stuff just keep it. and you would just add more stuff and like the older stuff would you know break down and form this you know whatever just a flavor bed kind of huh. um and yeah you would just keep that going like the eternal soup pot or something i forget the exact term for it but that's how it was that's how they rolled for like hundreds of years and like the only time they would empty it out was when they were giving up meat for lent they Uh would actually like like wash out the pot and start fresh with without the meat in it or something it got cleaned once a year which is probably good (laughs) i just it just part of me cringes it's like ah I guess if they kept it up to like proper temperature the entire time, like bacteria wouldn't get a chance to develop. But I don't know. Yeah, can I don't know um, how that works? Can Joe Rogan ask one of his like microbiologist friends about this? <laughs> like, yeah. I just need to hear an expert explain whether this is good or bad. Um, but I know that when I was uh, in jail when I was nineteen. Um, someone told me that's how they made the food and that's definitely what it looked like. Um, and I had to go to, oh. j- I had to go to jail for three days and, um, I did not, all I ate the entire time I was there was bread. Um, cause uh, number one, I'm vegan, but like number two, I did not know what was going on, but it didn't look good. Yeah. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. So yeah, bread has also been a p- big part of soups. Like I mentioned before, like the French word for soup and sop, you know, sop being the piece of bread and then you pour the broth onto it. And that's how a lot of um, like wealthier people ate. Um, what they would do is they would cook vegetables and meat in a pot with a little bit of water and seasonings and herbs and stuff like that the the more wealthy you were the more you could afford to put like some cloves or cardamom in there or something you know um and then they would take the pieces of meat and the vegetables out and put them on a plate and then they would serve the water that that stuff was cooked in and pour it over a piece of bread in a bowl or whatever and that was like your soup before the meal and the French started the tradition of having soup at the beginning of the meal. And that's what it usually was. It was just the water that the other stuff was cooked in. Oh. That, you know, turned turned into a broth. And then you would pour that over a nice piece of bread and start your meal that way. But that was, like I said, that's pretty much only wealthier people could afford bread. That was kind of a luxury item. So if you're a medieval peasant, you weren't eating bread. You were just having grains, 
uh-huh. in there. So you would just boil up the grains or whatever. Um, and that was your sort of like starch component. I mean, I love so that was, boiled grains. If we're talking that's, a, that's rice, oatmeal, it doesn't get better than yeah. that. And that's that's the word porridge. That's where that comes from, which is I don't know how similar like where the derivation between pottage and porridge is. But I did read that in Nigeria, um, they make a they don't really dis- make a distinction between the word porridge and pottage. It's kind of the same thing to them. Like they have this yam pottage that they make that's basically just like I described a pottage where you just put yams and water and whatever other veggies and stuff spices and just cook it down uh-huh. until it turns into like this you know pasty uh, you know porridge essentially and they just they consider that porridge they consider if you use grains that's porridge or pottage they're just like yeah whatever grains it's savory, a, yeah doesn't matter it's all the same it's all delicious yeah so um, that's how a lot of the you know peasant type people would eat. Um, they would have their po- their porridge essentially, but then they could have, but then they could you know vary it up and make make it more savory or more you know cereal based. Uh-huh. But um, but anyway, so yeah, um, that's kind of been the history of people eating soup. Like so basically, from like the minute people were people, they were souping it up. Yeah, like that's the most, it's kind of one of the most efficient ways of like getting your nutrients really and preparing, you know, just a, a one pot meal or whatever. So, and back then people would eat like two meals a day. They'd have their heavier meal in the morning and then soup. Oh, that was another thing like soup, supper. The word supper comes from soup as well because it tended to be eaten as the later of the two meals of the day. Um, because What's it up was with lighter. places where they call lunch supper? I don't know. Because you've heard that, right? I don't know. But- I've heard dinner as I've heard dinner as lunch and supper as dinner. That's what I'm thinking I of. I feel like. It's very confusing yeah, so to supper, me. So dinner is lunch and supper is dinner. I don't know, but maybe that's because supper. Yeah. I don't know where dinner turned into lunch, though, to be honest. It, it, I mean, it really, it, it's, it's all off track at that point. But so soup was like the, the supper, the later meal. Yeah. You don't want to go to bed. Came around. You don't want to go to bed with a full tummy. Yeah, I guess that's it. And yeah, you you know, you wor- have time to work off your bigger meal throughout the course of the day. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, of course, in modern times, soups have become more portable. Um, you've got canned soups, frozen soups. You've got like dried packaged soups. I'm sure we can all remember the, um, the fad in the 80s of the Lipton packet of like onion soup mix added to like sour cream as like a zesty party dip yeah i have that yeah as a kid (laughs) i would sit down this is i was born to be a fat kid i would take the tub of sour cream add the soup mix make a whole (laughs) vat of it and i would sit at the counter with that and a tube of pringles and i would eat 
all of both all of the pringles <laughs> all of the dip while i read books like that's pretty much my childhood and then like as an adult i think back and it's like who where where were your parents that you're eating a tub of sour cream like good lord um but uh, yeah so canning came around in what like the 30s or the 40s when did we start canning things i want to say i didn't really investigate but i want to say like napoleon invented canning didn't he because he needed what um, a way to a way to preserve foods for food for his troops while they were out in the field yeah i want to say it was invented back in like the 1800s that is wild yeah but then it wasn't Um, done industrially i guess until the industrial revolution like yeah i'm trying to like when did campbell's so napoleon's canning things for his soups um i'm i'm googling when was i think canning invented 1810 well that's early but uh, yeah like what you're talking about is when did it become mainstream though like when did people start to have canned foods in their pantries and stuff and i think that was more in the in the early 1900s probably um you know people have been canning their own stuff just like in jars and stuff probably for longer than you could go and buy that same stuff on a shelf in a store yeah. yeah, it's because it. I feel like mass manufacturing didn't happen till later. But it says okay that the first ready-to-eat can of soup was introduced in 1895. Can you believe it? I believe that. Maybe I don't know, like when, because I know like there were companies that made things, but like when did factories show up? Earlier than I think, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I think canning, like commercial canning, has been a thing for quite a while. I mean, think of the fisheries and stuff. Um, Campbell's yeah, Soup Company know. started in 1869. There you go. And they didn't make their first uh, can of soup until it didn't hit the market till 1895. But that's what? Yeah. What did they spend 30 years growing the vegetables or something? What was the, what was they going must... on in the meantime? They must have been canning other things. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I get you. Right. But they right. were called the Campbell's Soup Company. See, that's the that's the part that I don't get. Huh. Well, well whatever. I, so, yeah, late 1800s. Late 1800s. That's a long um, history of canned soups. That is a long history. And then, of course, we've still got more. We've got, like, the, the dried noodle soups. Um, you've got you know all the the asian type of soups pho ramen udon all that kind of stuff is still part of soup history it's just not as maybe part of our mainstream um but that exists i mean every culture has its own soup like no matter where you go well you confirmed Um, i'm not sure about oh sorry you confirmed on twitter for me that um gumbo is soup and that is my favorite soup I kind of just, I was kind of shooting from the hip with that. I'm pretty sure gumbo is considered soup because, I mean, soup is basically just food cooked in an amount of water. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, if it's less water, it's more, it's like classified as a stew, um, but it's all basically just soup. So I think gumbo is at least a stew, which is basically a soup in my book. Yeah, I prefer. But if not, it's a... F- 
I prefer a stew. Yeah. I often will strain broth out of my soup so that it's just more of the the hard things. Well, you should pour that broth over a piece of bread and enjoy that before the other things. I'll try that in next true time. true French fashion. I'll, yeah, I'll report back. Um, I did make sop some coconut. Up. I made some coconut flour bread yesterday that turned out surprisingly good. How is the... Um, now coconut flour is pretty stays pretty moist did it stay pretty moist yeah so it it basically tastes i mix coconut flour and almond flour and they both absorb a lot of water so where you would use like a cup of wheat flour in a recipe with these you would use like a fourth of that um and then the finished product I don't know that you could ever get like a hard crust on it it's always going to be soft yeah which for i like fresh baked bread that's a little bit underbaked that's my jam so this worked out but for other people i could see them being saying this texture isn't very good yeah i my mind went immediately to what if you like brushed it with an egg wash it wouldn't be vegan at that point but it might get like a, a little bit of that caramelization on the outside that crispiness yeah yeah, or I could yeah, I could bake it longer and see what happens. It's almost it was like the texture of cornbread, which is which is a fun a fun thing. Yeah. Who doesn't like cornbread? Monsters. It's my it's the best. Have we ta- we've already had this conversation, haven't we? <laughs> but I'm thinking here pertinent to soup, I believe, you know, I'm going to go ahead and just say chili is a form of soup. You take some of that cornbready stuff you know, plop a little half a slice in a bowl, pour some chili on there. Oh, heaven. There you go. There you go. Absolute yeah. heaven. Um, what was I going to say? So the, you said that people used to carry around these dried broth packets and they were called traveler soups. Yeah. So like if you were on a train or a wagon, if you were on the Oregon Trail, I- you'd bring some traveler soup. Maybe you would. I don't know if it was like for voyages, long-term voyages like that. I had it pictured as like, you know, you're you're hiking to the next town for the day. You need something, you know, lightweight that you can take with you. Um, But I didn't, I mean, I I read the description for what it was. And in my head, I kind of pictured them like making, you know, cooking down a bunch of whatever ingredients in a soup. To the point where it was like thick, concentrated, kind of everything cooked down, you know, not like chunks of fresh stuff or anything left. And then maybe just like putting it in a tray and like slow heating it until like all the water evaporated. And then you would like scrape what was left and it would basically be like a a paste or a powder at Uh that point. And then you could take that in like a pouch or something like that. Um, and it's basically just like having a pack of uh, instant soup mix, you know, that you could go buy at the store today. It's not a bad idea. Um, I uh, I learned this trick from another bartender because we used, I used to work at this place where the shifts would be 10 hours long without a break. We were just that busy. And you're not allowed to obviously eat while working like you couldn't 
grab a bite of a Nutri-Green bar out of your pocket or something. So she would put soup in a coffee mug with a lid because when you're a server, your drinks legally have to have a lid on them. And then she would drink the soup out of the coffee mug. So it had to be something, no chunks, because it has to come out that little slit on like a to-go coffee cup. But that way she didn't have to go 10 hours without eating. And um, I I could picture, you know, having a little traveler soup and you put it in the cup with hot water and bam, you're good. Meal on the go. For sure. That does. Yeah, that that's a good way to go. Um, what I like to do for that is um, miso broth. Ah. You can just go by usually in like the, you know, wherever they sell the tofu at your local supermarket. You can usually buy a pouch of um, miso paste. Okay. We usually have a couple different types or whatever. And uh, <clears throat> that stuff, you can stick it in your fridge. It lasts forever. You know, just kind of like keep it sealed. And uh, you just take like a teaspoon of that, mix it with like eight ounces of hot water. And uh-huh. it's like basically an instant broth and you can throw, you can throw like dried green onions in there, um, seaweed. Campbell's is, soup um, mix. pretty common. I wouldn't do Campbell's soup mix because the miso is already, is already soup. Like it's already got its nutrients. But know. yeah, you, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, you can you can actually make like all kinds of different stuff with miso, but I do like it for that um, instant soup style thing. And I, what I used to do, kind of like your coworker, I used to mix up like a thermos full of it at the beginning of the day. And then like on breaks at work, I would pour myself, you know, like five ounces, eight ounces of this miso broth that's just been kind of like simmering hot in my thermos all day with like dried mushrooms and maybe some like different like bitter greens or something that I decided to throw in there and it was talk about a restorative yeah miso gives you a nice little boost what is um is miso fermented soy I don't know what you miso can make is. it out you can make it's um yeah it's fermented typically soybean paste but you can also make it out of rice you can make it out of chickpeas and barley i mean you can do make it out of a lot of different things there's a lot of different styles of miso okay but they're all based on the same they're based on the same method of sort of like food it's like a food uh way to preserve food for for the winter okay Um, so just by you add a bunch of salt and you like ferment the beans for like months um and then it's just like this red readily available um you know source of nutrition for for when you need it the most well yeah i bet it's really good for your gut since it's fermented um and everyone super good yeah everyone should eat more fermented foods it's good for your bod what i like to do the best my favorite is um mix up some miso and if i have some homemade kimchi in the fridge or even just some store-bought kimchi throw a couple of pieces of kimchi in there and it's like a probiotic gut bomb yeah i like that yeah and just there's something about and never boil the the miso either like you want to basically just bring the water up to like steeping temperature Uh uh-huh 
but you never want to like boil miso if you can help it because that'll kill off all the like you know probiotics in there and stuff so Uh, just basically like heat up the water to where it's hot and then make your miso with that um i gotta get a thermos this is very this is very inspirational for me well, the nice thing about miso is you can just like as as, as quickly as you can heat up water in a tea kettle, uh-huh. you know, five minutes after that, you can be in, enjoying a nice, fresh little cup of miso. Like all you have to do is like dip your chopsticks in the pouch, you know, grab out a little a little chunk, throw it in a, a cup uh-huh. or something, dilute, you know, thin it out slowly with a little bit of water. And then you can throw in a chunk of kimchi or some seaweed or whatever. It's there for you whenever you want it. It's beautiful. I think uh, I'm trying to quit drinking coffee for health reasons, even though I love it. And um, so I've been experimenting with alternative hot beverages. But I think this uh, miso and these broths are going to get me through just so I can feel like, oh, I'm enjoying a hot cup of something. Um, One one thing about miso for you, it is a little bit high in sodium. Oh, yes. And I do, my feet do swell. So maybe I need to <laughs> yeah. limit the miso, not, or mix it Maybe limit weak. the miso. Like do a I weak blend. I encourage you, you could do that. You could. Um, I do encourage you to get, wean yourself off of the coffee for various reasons, but uh-huh. um I've been going with the yerba mate, and that works out pretty well for me. It's a bit of a leap. You know, you don't get that, like, oh, nobody just, like, looks forward to that cup of yerba mate. Like, mm, the minute I smell yerba mate in the morning, oh, <laughs> like, it's yeah. not that kind of drink. It's basically, like, holly leaves, which <laughs> is <laughs> weird, that grow in, like, the South American jungle, like this one type of holly tree. Uh-huh. But... It contains caffeine. It's super like um, uh, like sustainable. It's a method of sustainable agriculture. You're not depleting anything. Like coffee, before too long, in a few years, coffee's going to be like a hundred dollars a pound or something. We're like basically running out of places to grow coffee. Oh, and it it ruins so, the soil. You can't just and it grow yeah, it year after year yeah. the same. I think so. There's, as with anything, there are more and less scrupulous methods of farming these things. But of course, money always wins out. So yeah, the tendency is that growing coffee tends to ruin the place that it's being grown in. Yeah. So, so yeah, um, yerba mate. It may not taste delicious, but it does give you some caffeine and it is a hot mug of something that you can enjoy. Yeah, I've been uh, drinking green tea, which does not have as much caffeine as mate, and uh, it's not working. (laughs) No, and it it will continue to not work. Like, you've got to give yourself, like, three weeks to, like, get your own sort of level down to the level of the mate or whatever. But once you you get your tolerance down, you're, you're pretty much free and clear after that i'm looking forward to it i um i quit caffeine cold turkey once a couple years ago yeah um Uh after very fun i had an anxiety attack where like i couldn't move and i thought i was having a stroke because i couldn't move or use language and then i thought maybe you're having an anxiety (laughs) attack 
just calm down. Don't call an ambulance because you don't want to pay that bill. Um, but after uh, said incident, I was very inspired to quit caffeine and I went cold turkey. And uh, it was it was rough, but um, I mean, I managed to do it. So I guess it wasn't that bad. Uh, but yeah, now I'm tapering down and I feel, uh, I always get confused or, uh, accused of being stoned because of just the way my face is. I have resting stone face. Um, and, uh, I feel like now, especially without the coffee, anyone who interacted with me would assume that I'm very, very high. Um, instead I'm just, uh, detoxing from my one true love coffee. I wonder if it could be argued that coffee is soup. Yeah, where do we draw the line? I don't know. Cause I think I, I don't think tea and tea and coffee can't. No, because it's not really food, is it? But if I'm drinking broth out of a mug and that's soup, is broth soup? Ah, uh, it's got more. It's got nutrients. Yes, actually, I didn't get into it during the main part of the the episode, but like. The French identify different clear forms of soup, such as bouillon and consommé. Oh. And then there are th- and then there are thick styles of soup um, that are usually they usually have something added as a thickener, such as a puree, which might have starch added as a thickener. Think of like a you know a vegetable puree or something. A bisque. Uh-huh. Like a lobster bisque, tomato bisque, which is usually thickened with cream, or velute, which is thickened with uh, any number of combination of like eggs, butter, cream. But then other thick soups, of course, you can thicken with rice, lentils, flour, or other grains. Um, <laughs> okra? So yes, clear soup broth oh well that'll thicken it up yeah because yeah. it dissolves any, like, into a paste or something. yeah but that to answer your question of is just broth like a bouillon cube i think that does count as soup because okay. going back to it broth broth is kind of the origin of soup so, and uh yeah so maybe to be a soup it has to contain nutritional content or caloric value because coffee and tea no calories I, well, I guess unless you yeah. go to Starbucks and you add a bunch of stuff to it. And just have a, a, a caffeinated milkshake, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I think that's it. it. It has to have some nutritional value. And that's, you know, whatever the restorative properties of those, you know, those vegetable essences and things like that. Um, okay, so soup must be restorative. That's just how it's going down. I think it's got to contribute to your nutrition in some form or another. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> otherwise, I... soda pop. Other, uh, yeah. Otherwise, soda pop could be soup. Yeah, and that's. I'm gonna. I'm putting my. I'm putting my foot down on that one. Yeah. Me. Me too. Um. Anything else we haven't covered about soup? What's your favorite soup, Sydney? Um, you said gumbo. I like gumbo. I like split pea soup. I had some split pea soup last week that I added garbanzo beans to, and it was an excellent decision. Um, oh. Yeah, and I feel like split pea is underrated because people are like, oh, it's green or whatever, but it's fucking delicious. How about you? 
it's good i appreciate split p it's not my favorite but i think as far as versatility and just like daily utility i like a lentil if you're gonna go with like a like a legume soup because mm-hmm. you don't have to soak them you know they they cook quick they're done in like 45 minutes so like just a a nice homemade lentil soup is super easy to make and it's always good but if we're talking my favorite soup uh-huh it's gonna be the one that i make out of fresh picked chanterelle mushrooms that i go and pick in the mountains and then carry them down the mountain and turn them into basically the soup that i made with the shiitake mushrooms but uh-huh. the only reason i made it with the shiitake mushrooms is because i didn't have any good chanterelle mushrooms but that's my favorite it's that country um chanterelle soup with the sour cream mm. oh god it's so good I, it's i've so noticed good. you like a lot of mushroom soups i like mushrooms yeah <laughs> i don't i don't really i don't like cooked mushrooms it's a texture thing and then i was observing your soup choices this month i was like rob loves a cooked mushroom and he loves smoked paprika well unfortunately that's what what i was what i was lacking that's what would have pushed that recipe over the top maybe but uh yeah i definitely go for mushrooms i mean not just in soup but in all different recipes and stuff i just i'm a big fan of um especially like foraging mushrooms i go to the stump that's uh-huh. about a block away from my ap- apartment and uh depending on the time of the year i can go get a few fresh oyster mushrooms i'm waiting for the uh the fall or winter oyster mushrooms to pop out and you know that should happen any day but um yeah i just i just like a good wild mushroom you are a wild man. I mushrooms are so good for you, and I just don't like them unless they are psychedelic. <laughs> uh, yeah, I well, actually, those two. It's been. Yeah. I I like those four sigmatic um, mushroom lattes. Uh, it's like a little packet you can buy at a health food store, and it's a a mushroom latte with um like a the you know the what do they call them shaggy mane. Yeah, they it's have shaggy mane mushroom. They have the mm-hmm. um, well, the adaptogens like listed like this one's for this and this one's for that, and you're like, yes, please sign me up. Those are fun. Yeah, yeah, I haven't had, I haven't tried that, but that does sound good. Mm-hmm. That's coffee, right? Yeah, um, they have ones yeah. that don't have coffee in them, and ones that do. They have a mushroom hot cocoa. Um, I oh. like. They have a lion's mane golden latte which does not have coffee in it and it's like turmeric and lion's mane and uh you add it to hot water but it's pretty creamy it's delicious that sounds good i don't know if that that. counts as a soup but i'll drink it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i think it might it's got mushrooms in it right if i'm drinking hot and turmeric yeah the lines are blurred oh we should call, um, we should call Four Sigmatic and talk to one of their uh, customer service representatives and ask them if their turmeric lion's mane coffee qualifies um, as soup. I might be able to do that because <laughs> I can add a call to this. Hold on, let me see if I can do this. Um, Four Sigmatic. Oops. 
Hi, I'm Sydney. I'm here with my twin brother, Rob. <laughs> we're twins, but we're twins, but we were born on different days. Have you ever heard of that? Um, yeah, this is going to go really well if I can find a phone number. <laughs> I have a t-shirt from them. So like one of my friends, he's a scientist and uh, he um lost 150 pounds and wrote a book about it and like four sigmatic gave him like some instagram sponsorships and um where they sent him some products and he could feature it in photos but he wrote them back and asked if they could send me a send a shirt for him to give to me um so it says yes baby i'm on shrooms um and i was wearing it when i witnessed a really really bad car accident and had to wait for the police to give a report and uh, I was like, I really wish I was wearing any shirt but this one right now. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Um, so, for Sigmatic, is there a phone number? No one has phone numbers on their sites anymore is what the problem yeah, is. I was, I was going to say, you're probably, if they don't have a brick and mortar location, you're probably not going to be able to talk to someone right away. Yeah, they don't even have, usually websites will have a contact us. And for Sigmatic is like, don't contact us don't you <laughs> do it just um, email us we'll get back to you if we feel like it yeah we'll have to all right uh, well maybe maybe we can make phone calls to um subway some other time or something that could be like a, its own pup date just um like or maybe out, getting down to the bottom yeah maybe like patreon only content because the show has a Patreon. Um, it doesn't have any patrons. Because, oh. um, like, I made mm. I made reward tiers where you could get physical merchandise, but I don't have any uh, Patreon-only content behind a paywall because um, I didn't know what I would do. But maybe um, $2 a month. And That's people... a really good... Yeah, phone calls. I think prank phone call. I mean, actual investigative phone calls yeah. would be... A really good <laughs> form of um, Patreon content for sure. Oh. Sign me up. Oh, excellent! Because uh, yeah, just uh, today I was thinking I need to ask people what are ideas for Patreon only content, but I think we're onto it. I think uh, phone calls is where it's going to be at. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a I'm company, looking forward to it. yeah, maybe people can like uh, give us special Suggest. requests yeah um yeah i mean it's gotta fit it's kind of gotta fit within certain parameters of someone we're willing to harass you know keep it keep it like to a corporation of some sort hopefully and nothing malicious we're not malicious people so no we're just gonna ask a bunch of stupid questions and waste their time until they hang up on us um, but like there's stupid questions that we you ask yourself i forget i googled something this week what did i oh i googled are peas a bean <laughs> <laughs> and uh what'd they, you find what'd you find out they're a legume it's te well they're both legumes that's the superordinate concept uh that contains both peas and beans but i think peas and beans are distinct within the parameters of legumes oh shit. i looked up chickpea one time because like i was like is chickpea a pea or a bean it's a bean it right like some weird it's like a weird pre it's more like a fava bean 
Ah. It's like this weird prehistoric kind of bean that was only eaten by ancient Romans and uh, modern day cattle. Um, Garbanzo. That's a shout out to Erica Sinkson if she's listening. Um, (laughs) But uh, but I think beans and peas are distinct in some way okay i'm gonna have to re-look it up really really close relatives though really close relatives yeah so legume includes beans and what else wait legumes you said legume basically is like the super family yeah it's like the family's called leguminosa and it includes Everything from like I want to say even like clover or something to like lentils, beans, peas, what fava the beans. Fuck? I don't understand anything. I thought even they like um, yeah. I thought they were separate, um, but I thought yeah, I thought legumes and beans were separate. So now I'm gonna have to look this back up. These are the questions we can answer by calling big corporations. The stupid yeah. shit that you Google, we can just go ahead and we can call Heinz and ask them the difference between ketchup and catsup. Heinz, we could call ConAgra Foods, um, talk to their like switchboard, see if oh. any of their operators know the difference between uh, gar- or peas and beans. Yeah, I wonder if they do if they're in the biz. I doubt that they do. I doubt that you could even talk to somebody at conagra foods <laughs> well, well we'll see but we can find out yeah yeah i would like to call um, call a bourbon company and ask them the difference between uh uh bourbon what is it whiskey and uh bourbon which because like people always give you no matter who you ask you get a different answer on those like that's a good one yeah yeah um so That's yeah we'll one. we'll get to the bottom of the of life's quandaries and send us your suggestions for corporations that you want us to investigate yeah like um we can call a spirit halloween and ask if it's haunted by the ghosts of toys r us are they even still open at this point no, this is this would be down the line. But I know, like, because they always put the spirit. The spirit Halloweens are always in oh, former right. Toys old, R Us or, or old, sports yeah, authorities, old Circuit Cities, yeah, yeah, just, <laughs> like, old appliance stores. Do you, right. Yeah, do you sense the ghosts of those appliances when you're there late at night, locking up alone? <laughs> uh. Um. All right. Anything else while we uh, before we wrap up on soup? I think we pretty much explored soup. I think I feel pretty good. I feel I feel really good about it too, and um, I'm probably gonna eat some more soup. So everyone eat some soup and uh... <laughs> definitely eat soup. Definitely eat soup. Go get some miso paste. Because you never know, someday you're going to wake up hungover or something and you're not going to want to eat food or you're going to be sick, you're going to have the flu, and you're just going to want something therapeutic and nice and nutritious. And gosh darn it, a little a little cup of some nice miso broth, especially you put a little piece of seaweed in there. Oh. Ugh, 
It's very good for you. It makes you feel so much better. So get some miso paste, everybody. All right, and have a happy hump day. Happy hump day.